Let me lead us in prayer as we begin. Our Father, we thank you that you speak to us by your Spirit through your Word. And we pray now that as we come to consider this passage that, that you'll be doing that, uh, that you'll help me and strengthen me to preach your Word rightly and clearly and in your Spirit's power. And may your Spirit work in each of our hearts. May he open our eyes that we might see Jesus, uh, that we might love him, that we might trust him, uh, even uh, when we don't know what he's doing. Uh, so, Father, we commit this time to you, Lord, and ask for your help. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, death is the enemy of us all, isn't it? Uh, a lot of people in our society fear death. Uh, some people don't like to use the word death or say anything about it, lest it happen. Uh, in some hotels, you have the ground floor, and then you've got level one, two, three, three A, five. Right, because the number four sounds like the Chinese word for death. But no matter what we do, no matter how much we try to avoid the word, we, we cannot avoid death itself. One out of every one person dies in every generation. And one day, that'll be us. But can we trust God in the face of death? Can we trust God when death takes away the people we love? Can we trust God with our own deaths? Well, the passage we're looking at this evening deals with the issue of death. And it brings us face to face with the one who died to give us eternal life. Last week, you remember, we ended with Jesus. He was away from Jerusalem. He was on the other side of the Jordan. Uh, you remember people there uh, believed him, they received him because they remember the message of John the Baptist. But the Jews in Jerusalem, they were trying to kill him because they did not believe. We've also seen the last couple of weeks that Jesus is the good shepherd. And his sheep hear his voice and believe him. He cares for his sheep. In fact, he lays down his life for them. He gives them eternal life and nothing can snatch them out of his hand. The passage we're looking at this evening starts off by telling us about some of Jesus' sheep. There was this man in chapter 11, verse 1, named Lazarus, who was ill. And he lived in a village with his sisters Mary and Martha, a place called Bethany, just under two miles from Jerusalem. You may recall the story of the woman who anointed Jesus' feet with oil and, and wiped them with her hair. We'll come to that story soon, but... That's Mary. And these are believers. These are sheep who belong to the Good Shepherd. And so when Lazarus is sick, his sisters send a message to Jesus. They're hoping that Jesus will come and heal Lazarus. But Jesus doesn't come. In fact, when he gets the message, he says in verse 4, this illness does not lead to death. Right? The, the, the Greek says the, the end point of this illness, the, 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 the illness, the, the end point, the, the end of the story of this illness is not death. It is for the glory of God that the Son of God may be glorified through it. And so we wait to see how is God going to be glorified through this illness of Lazarus. And then we read in verse 5 that Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. 
And then it says, So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Hey, hang on a take. That doesn't quite make sense, does it? If, if he loved them, why doesn't he just go and heal Lazarus straight away? It says he loved them, and because he loved them, he, he delayed taking action. He loved them so, or, or therefore, he stayed longer. And I'm sure if you asked them, they wouldn't, they wouldn't understand why. And friends, sometimes God works in ways that we, that we don't understand at the time, isn't it? If we were Mary, if we were Martha, we would have thought that the best thing Jesus could do was quickly go and heal Lazarus as soon as he can. But Jesus doesn't come. And it doesn't mean he doesn't love them. It was because he loved them, our text says, that he didn't heal Lazarus. For he knew that the best thing for them was that their lives should bring glory to God. And so Jesus delays. And after these two days, in verse 7, then Jesus says to his disciples, let's go to Judea again. Right? Judea is the area where Bethany is. It's also, remember, uh, Jerusalem is in that area as well, just two miles away, and that's where, that's where the Jews are trying to kill him. And so the disciples, they, they advise him, please don't go right? there. These Jews, they're, they're trying to stone you, and now you want to go there. Uh, but Jesus says in verse 9, uh, are there not 12 hours in the day? If, if anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. If anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. What he's saying is, if you walk in the daylight, it's the time for walking, that, that's, that's a safe time. Uh, the time for Jesus to be killed is not yet. Uh, so he, he'll be okay. And then he explains to them why he wants to go to Judea now. He says in verse 11, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. Now, we know that by that he means that Lazarus has died now, right? And he must have known that by supernatural means because no one could have just WhatsApped him in those days to let him know or couldn't have read it on someone's Facebook feed. But notice how Jesus says, he calls Lazarus' death falling asleep. Because death is a bit like sleep, isn't it? Except we don't usually wake up. But the death of Lazarus was not like that. He... Jesus says he's only temporarily dead. Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, and he says, I go to awaken him. Now, the disciples don't, don't understand. Right? They think when Jesus says he's fallen asleep, he must be resting. Now, so they good luck. Let him rest. Right? They rest, he'll get better. And so Jesus has to tell them very plainly in verse 14, Lazarus has died. Lazarus has died. And then he adds, And for your sake I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe. Jesus knew by his delaying his visit that it will bring a good outcome in the end. Things are still going according to plan. And then he invites his disciples to come. He says at the end of verse uh, 15, But let us go to him. Now, when Jesus says, let us go to him, we don't know what the disciples are thinking. Maybe they're thinking, is Jesus inviting them to go and visit Lazarus' tomb? Or is he saying, he's died, let's go and die as well, right, given the danger of the situation in Judea. 
Well, the disciples think he's after martyrdom. Thomas in verse 16 says, let us go that we may die with him. And the rest of the disciples agree. And so off they go with Jesus to Judea. The next scene is played out four days later. Lazarus has now been dead and buried for four days. He was buried in a tomb, which was like a, a cave with a, with a stone in front of it. Right? Back in those days, what they used to do, they, that they put the, the body into the cave, and put the stone in front. Uh, until the body's decomposed, only the bones left. Uh, then they'll come back and just take the bones and keep it in a box. And so there's the body in the cave. And on the other side, there's the family home. Uh, where Lazarus and his sisters, they are full of people who have come from Jerusalem uh, to comfort them. Uh, Jesus is on his way now to the village, and he's not reached there yet, but Martha hears that he's on his way, and she comes out to meet him. She says to him uh, in verse 21, she says, Lord, if you have been here, my brother would not have died. Can you sense a little bit of disappointment in her words? She doesn't know why Jesus hasn't come and healed Lazarus. But she knows, she knows he could have. And he didn't. And now the brother's dead. But she, till, she still trusts Jesus. She goes on in verse 22, but, but even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Isn't that amazing? And Jesus says to her in verse 23, your brother will live. Your brother will live. But actually, you know what? She already knows that. Because the prophet Daniel in the Old Testament had prophesied a general resurrection. Here's what he said, and it's on the handouts. Daniel chapter 12, verse 2. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to, well, we lost that last bit, let me tell you what it says, to shame and everlasting contempt. So when Jesus said, your brother will rise, he goes, yeah, I, I know that. Verse 24, I know that he will rise in the resurrection on the last day. And, and she's right. But what she doesn't know is that the man standing in front of her is the one who will make that resurrection happen. And Jesus tells her in verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. Now, what does it mean that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? Well, the Apostle John has actually already recorded Jesus' teaching about these things in chapter 5. Uh, John assumes that we read chapter 5 before we get to chapter 11, which is quite a reasonable assumption. Uh, there are a number of things that we, that we see in chapter 5 that makes us, helps us to understand chapter 11. Uh, in John chapter 5, Jesus explains that, that he's going to be the one to fulfill that Daniel 11. He's going to, one, he's going to be the one to make the, the resurrection happen. He says in chapter 5, verse 25, and there's, there in your handouts is the second of the verses in the second box. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Right? Jesus is the one. He's the Son of God. He is the one who will speak and the dead will will rise. He will raise the dead. The resurrection will happen because of him. He is the one who does that resurrection. He is the resurrection. 
And then in the next verse it says, For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself. It's about the life. Jesus has life in the way that only God has. He has life in himself, and he is the one who can give life. He is the one who takes away life. In him is life, and through him comes eternal life. Uh, in verse 24, that first verse in the box, it says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. Jesus is the one who makes eternal life possible. The resurrection of the dead and the life everlasting, they, they belong to him. That's, that, that, they're his. I am, Jesus said, the, the resurrection and the life. And then he continues in verse 25 of chapter 11. He says, whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Right? If you believe in Jesus, then even though you die, what's going to happen? At the end of the age, you will live. Right? You die, now I now, but at the end you will live. But that's not all. He continues. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. All right, so you, if you're a believer, even though you die, then you live. And if you live, that is, you're, you've got this resurrection life, and you're a believer, what does that mean? That means you will never die. You will live eternally. I'm the resurrection of the life. Even those who believe in me, even though they die, they will live, and if you live and you're a believer, then you will never die. The resurrection will bring you to eternal life. And Jesus says to Martha, do you believe this? Do you believe this? You know there's a resurrection at the end of the age. But do you believe that if you believe in me, you will rise to life eternal? Martha already believed in the resurrection. But now she believes that Jesus is the one who will bring it about. And so she says to Jesus, yes, Lord, yes, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God. Who is coming into the world I believe you are the one and after this Martha sends a message to her sister Mary the teacher verse 28 is here and is calling for you right Jesus wants to talk to Mary as well and so Mary hurries out to to, to, to meet him. Uh, as she goes out from the house, what happens is everyone goes out with her as well. Okay? She's probably hoping for some private words with Jesus, but they think just, she's rushing to the tomb and they want to support her and agree, so everybody comes. Uh, when she reaches Jesus, she, she falls at his feet. Uh, she says in verse 32, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Same thing as Martha said, isn't it? You can sense the, the disappointment. Has Jesus let her down? She breaks down in tears. 
weeping for her brother. And when Jesus sees her weeping in verse 33, and the Jews who had come with her, look what it says. He was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. He was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. Yes, he knew what he was doing. Yes, he knew that waiting for Lazarus to die was actually for the best. Yes, he knew he was going to go and wake up Lazarus. But he was not callous about it. His heart went out to the mourners. He was moved in his spirit and deeply troubled. And then in the next verses where they take him to the tomb itself, Jesus himself breaks down, weeping in verse 35. Brothers and sisters, in Jesus, we see the heart of God. God does things in our world that, he, that we don't understand. We know he's working out his plans to glorify his name by gathering a people to himself. We know that he is working in all things for the good of those who love him. But there are so many things that happen in this world which we find to, hard to reconcile with his good plans. And sometimes in a, in a fallen world like ours, it is painful to be part of his purposes. Sometimes in a fallen world like ours, we suffer grief and pain as we, as we wait for his plans to be fulfilled. And there are times when it feels like he's not there or that he's delaying too long to put things right. And we wish he could come and do something to change the situation like he could have done with Lazarus. He could have come and healed Lazarus before he died. He could have come and healed my friend before she passed away. He could have come, he could have prevented that accident. He could have stopped that cancer. He, he could have hindered that criminal. He could have done all kinds of things in our lives to, to make us happier, which he didn't do. And he doesn't. We, we know he knows what he's doing. We know that ultimately he is the resurrection and the life, that, that no matter how bad things are, that God will eventually reverse the situation. We, we know that we are confident that he will bring good out of evil and nothing can stop that, not even death itself, that he will raise us from the dead and make everything right at the end. But, but in the meantime, as we wait for that day on the ground, it's hard. It's hard. Mary and Martha suffered and grieved, and so do we. And Jesus is not callous to our sufferings. The good shepherd really does care for his sheep. He's not hard-hearted because he knows, oh, it's for the best anyway. The fact that he knows there'll be good outcome does not stop him from sympathizing with this grieving family now. He is moved in spirit and deeply troubled, for he understands our pain and suffering, and he mourns with us in our grief. That is God's heart that he has shown us in his son. As the people see Jesus weep, they, they respond in two ways. 
In verse 36, some say, see how he loved him. They recognize that, that heart of love. And others say in verse 37, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? And it's still like that today, isn't it? Some people, when they go through trouble, come, come to recognize the love of Jesus more and more. They come to realize that God really does love them, even though they don't know what he's doing. And others uh, attack God, cast aspersions on his goodness or his power, also in spite of the fact that they don't know what he's doing. Well, Jesus is still deeply moved in the very next scene, in verse 38. It's a very emotional experience because he's standing at the tomb of his friend. And remember, it's this cave with a stone in front of it. And this whole band of mourners are there around. And then Jesus issues a, a very shocking command. He says, roll away the stone. You go, hang on, what? It's, it's, it's like going to visit a friend's grave nowadays and then telling people to dig out the body. It's, it's unthinkable. You, you don't do that kind of thing. It's, that's not how you show respect to the dead. Even Martha says to Jesus, Lord, by now there will be an odor. He's, he's been dead for four days. That's, that's not a good idea. And Jesus says to her, did I not tell you, verse 40, that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? And amazingly, they, they actually do what Jesus commands. They, they, they take away the stone. I can imagine some people there just shaking their heads in disapproval, disbelief. What's he doing? And then Jesus looks up. And in front of everyone, he speaks to his heavenly Father. Listen to what he says in verse 41. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And then he explains to the Father very candidly why he's talking to him like this in public. He says in 42, I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. You see, he wants the people to know that what he's about to do, he's, he does as the son of the Father. It's the Father who sent him. He's doing the Father's work. And after he's made this very clear, Jesus does the most amazing thing yet. He cries out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! What's going to happen? Now look at verse 44. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, his face wrapped with a cloth. Isn't that, isn't that astounding? This man is dead four days, and now he's, he's, he's hobbling out of the grave. He's alive. And Jesus is the one who brought him to life. Remember, Jesus spoke of the day when the dead would hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear would live. And what Jesus has just done is 
He's actually a picture of that. He's actually just done that. And it's a picture of that bigger and better resurrection that he pointed to the, at the end of the age. And this has just happened before the very eyes of the people who are there. They have seen the glory of God, for they have seen Jesus doing what only God can do. The identity of Jesus is clear. And so Jesus tells the people to, to unbind Lazarus and let him go. Friends, the raising of Lazarus must be one of the most amazing of Jesus' miracles. It's unique, but it's not always going to be unique. In fact, the experience of Lazarus is an experience that we will all have. For we will all come to life when Jesus returns. Again, we go back to John 5 uh, to see this. Remember John 5? Uh, look at verse, verse 28, uh, down the bottom of uh, the box. Uh, Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear the voice, will hear his voice and come out. All in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. But, ah, there's a little bit more to that in John 5. All will come out, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Jesus will bring a general resurrection and a division between those who have done good and those who have done evil. And on the one hand, that's a good thing too, isn't it? Because God will be shown to be perfectly just. Justice will be done and be seen to be done. You can't escape God's justice by dying. Sometimes people think they can do that, do all kinds of terrible things, and then before justice can be done, they die. And you think, ayah. What's going to happen? Don't worry, God will raise them to life and then bring them to justice. He will judge the world with justice. And, well, the problem for that, a problem with that for us, of course, is that all of us have done evil. And we've all sinned against God. And we all deserve God's punishment. And so if justice were all that is, if that's the end of the story, then, well, we would be raised from the dead to face our own judgment as well. But friends, the good news is Jesus gives eternal life. Remember, he's that source of rescue from death, that the, the spring of eternal life. And, and not too long after this incident of John 11, Jesus himself goes to Jerusalem where he, where he is put to death. He is put to death on a cross. And, and as Jesus dies upon the cross, God takes your sin and mine and lays it on him. Jesus died to take the sins that we have committed and the punishment that we deserve. He died as the, the Lamb of God, the sacrifice to take away our sin, to face that justice on our behalf so that if we trust in him, we can be forgiven. And when the time comes for us to be raised, we will not be given condemnation but raised to eternal life, to glorify Him and enjoy Him forever. That is why He can say in verse 24 of chapter 5 in your bulletin, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word 
and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come to judgment, but has passed from death to life. But we know that even beyond that, Jesus himself doesn't stay dead. He's, he would be raised, and he would be raised in a resurrection that is even greater than the resurrection we've read about today. Remember, Jesus woke Lazarus up, as it were. But, but, but one day he would die again. He was raised normal. This is not the resurrection. It's just a, just a picture of it. The resurrection of Jesus, that will be the first of the ultimate resurrections. The resurrection of Jesus in his glorious body. Remember, Lazarus comes out of the tomb. He's still wrapped in, his, he's still wrapped in, his, in, 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 the, in the cloth. When Jesus comes out, his body can just go through the, the, the linen stripes. He is raised in a glorious body, and he will never die again. And if we believe in Jesus, that is the kind of resurrection that we will have. Those who are resurrected believing in him, he says, will never die but have eternal life. I am the resurrection and the life, Jesus says. He who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives having believed in me will never die. That is the promise of Jesus. And as Jesus said to Martha, so he says to me and he says to you, do you believe this? Do you believe this? Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God? Do you believe that He is the one who will raise the dead? Do you believe that He is the one whom God has appointed as judge of all things? Do you believe that He can raise you on that last day and give you eternal life with God forever? Do you believe that He is the resurrection and the life? And if you believe Him, then will you submit to Him as your God? Will you let the fact of the resurrection shape your life and your priorities now so that you live for that resurrection day and you live for that eternity, not just for the, you live for the things that will last forever, not just for the things of now? Will you trust him? Will you trust him? Will you trust him with your life and your death even though you don't understand what he's doing? And will you rely on him and him alone to raise you from the dead and give you eternal life with him forever? I am the resurrection and the life, Jesus said. He who believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And he who lives and believes in me will never die. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that your Son, Jesus Christ, is indeed the, the resurrection and the life. And we thank you that he has shown us a glimpse of that in raising Lazarus from the dead. We thank you that you have affirmed that he is indeed that resurrection by raising him from the dead, that the firstborn from the dead. And thank you that he has promised to to raise all people 
and to judge all people. But thank you especially for his promise to raise his sheep, not to condemnation, but to eternal life. Our Father, we pray that you help us to keep on trusting him even when we don't know what he's doing. We pray that you help us to know that you really do love us, that you really do care for us. Help us to be able to, to see your heart in the heart of your Son and to trust you in the midst of this world of pain as we wait for our resurrection and life eternal with you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.